This is the Maverick Minister Deranged Bible Stories podcast series. Hello, I'm Mike Davis and I will be your host for this and all of the episodes in the Deranged Bible Stories podcast series. If you've listened to any of the other episodes, then you might remember that these stories are based on my deranged thoughts regarding certain readings from the Jewish and Christian scriptures. This episode, along with the first three, cover the entire creation narrative based on the early chapters of the book of Genesis. This is the final episode in the creation portion of the series, but it is definitely not the final episode in the whole series. There are many, many more deranged Bible stories yet to come. Please be reminded that these stories in no way claim divine inspiration, nor do they seek to demean the writings of the Bible. I hope that they might be enlightening for you. And, if not enlightening, maybe they'll be entertaining. This story is based on the narrative of Cain and Abel in Chapter 4 of the Book of Genesis. This is Deranged Thought, Number 4. Some of the biggest businesses in our economy are based on people's appetites for violence and destruction. Many psychologists and sociologists have written treatises and conducted studies attempting to prove that human beings have instinctual primitive drives for violence and bloodlust. If that is really true, then were those drives a part of God's creative design? How did violence become a part of the human experience anyway? And why? Chapter 4. The Fruits of Violence it wasn't long after they had left Eden that Adam and Eve began to have children. One of their new jobs out in the world was to populate the earth, which at least part of the time could be pretty nice work. Well, right away they had two sons, Cain the oldest and Abel the nextborn. The two boys grew up with something of a sibling rivalry between them. They were always working to impress mom, dad, and God by trying to one-up each other. If Cain discovered fire to keep everyone warm, Abel would show how it was good for cooking food. If Abel made a stone axe as a tool, Cain would use it to invent the wheel and make a wheelbarrow to carry things around the yard. They were very creative and competitive young men. So when it came time for them to make career decisions, they went about that with just as much creativity and competition as they had about everything else. Cain decided to take up industrial agriculture and factory farming, while Abel, wishing to show up his brother, pursued animal husbandry, veterinary medicine, and genetic engineering of sheep. One day, after a rather heated argument about the relative merits of vegetarianism versus carnivorous consumption of mutton, they decided to have a contest to see which was better. And they asked God to be the judge. The contest consisted of each bringing the fruits of his labors for God to sample. For Cain, that meant organic fruit and vegetables, and for Abel, that meant a choice rack of lamb. They agreed upon an appointed place where God would sample each and pass judgment on the contest 
by sending a bolt of lightning to burn up the winning entry. Wouldn't you hate to be the winner of a beauty contest with that kind of rules? Kane brought tofu, wild rice pilaf, a delicate romaine lettuce salad with assorted vegetables, and strawberries with mandarin orange wedges in white wine and balsamic vinegar dressing. Abel brought lamb barbecue bathed in Middle Eastern barbecue sauce so hot and spicy that it would even clear God's sinuses. Both put out their entries for God to sample, and after just a few minutes, lightning struck the lamb barbecue, consuming it totally. This just goes to prove that great barbecue is truly divine. Right after the lightning struck, Abel looked at Cain and did an I-just-made-a-touchdown-victory dance and then smugly walked away. Cain quietly began to seethe with anger. God noticed that Cain was upset, and coming to Cain, God said, Aw, oh, come on, kid. It was only a contest. It's not that I don't like veggies, it's just that, well, who can resist barbecue? Don't take it so personally. I still love you. I'm just not that wild about tofu. Let it go. Give it a little time and you'll get over it. It wouldn't have mattered what God said to Cain at that point. He was embarrassed. He felt betrayed. And he was incredibly angry. As time passed, Cain's anger should have subsided, but it didn't. In fact, as time passed, his anger seemed to get worse. He became obsessed with having lost the contest, with having lost face and prestige, and he was determined to get even with his brother. Of course, the fact that Abel gave him a barbecue apron for his birthday, had an all-meat pizza delivered to his house and sang na 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 every time there was a family gathering, didn't help matters much either. What had begun as a sibling rivalry was becoming something a lot more dangerous. God noticed this too, and so God decided to pay Cain another visit and have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with him. Cain, said God, I know a lot more about what you're thinking than you would ever believe. Huh? Cain responded. What you're thinking, Cain, I know what you've been thinking. Okay, said Cain. So you know what I've been thinking. Am I supposed to be impressed? God looked at him for a minute, and then in the best, I'm in charge of the whole universe, and you'd better take me seriously, voice, God said, Listen, kid, this is God you're talking to, creator of the universe, sustainer of all life. I can give it, and I can take it away just as fast. It's not a good idea to play smart aleck and hack me off. The last guy who did that was an angel named Lucifer. Ours wasn't a pretty conversation, and now he has a new address in a much warmer climate. I could arrange for you to join him. Do you get my meaning? Uh, yes, Lord, Kane replied in a slightly more humble tone. I, I, I understand, sorry. That's better, said God. Now about what you've been thinking. What about it? asked Kane. Well, Kane. You're angry, said God. Actually, I'm not angry, God, said Cain in a very controlled voice. I'm way past angry. His voice began to get louder and less humble as he talked. I've passed mad, irate, and incensed. 
I'm well on my way to enraged, furious, and rabid. But I'm not just angry. The veins in his neck were bulging, and he was almost screaming when he finished, saying, Angry is calm. Angry is relaxed. Angry is tranquil compared to what I am now. God took a deep breath and was very quiet for a moment. Then God replied in a soft, calm voice. Like I said, Cain, you're angry. But that's okay, because getting angry is a normal human thing. I built anger into all of you so that you could deal with dangerous situations immediately, without having to think about them. In fact, I designed all of your emotions so that you'd be able to feel what to do rather than having to stop and figure out what to do all the time. For instance, if a lion is coming down the path making hungry noises and looking at you like you ought to be lunch, then your fear emotion says, run now. You don't have to think about it, just run. In fact, if you stop to think about it, you'll wind up being lunch. So running is a no-brainer. The same goes for anger, sadness and crying, happiness and laughing, sexual desire and, well, let's not go there right now. Do you get the picture? Yes, Lord, replied Cain. His neck veins had stopped bulging and he was slightly calmer and seemingly more rational at this point. I understand what you're saying but I don't get what that has to do with my particular state of mental well-being right now. Well, Cain, the point I want to make here is that your emotions are supposed to do the job they were designed to do and then go away. The creation blueprint was clear. Situation is presented. Emotion clicks in and provides a response to the situation. Action is taken, and the emotion goes away. It's supposed to work that way. In fact, it does work that way for just about every creature I made, except humans. Now God's voice was getting louder, and he sounded irritated and agitated as he went on to say, No, you humans had to be different. You had to figure out a way to hang on to the emotions. You had to keep them bottled up inside and relive the same thing over and over just by thinking about what happened. Maybe I gave you humans too much brain area. Anyway, hanging on to anger is what you're doing right now, Cain. I don't get this at all, God. How am I hanging on to anger? I'm not even thinking about lions. No, no, forget about the lions. You're thinking about that stupid contest with the tofu and the barbecue. Oh. I'm not thinking about that contest. Oh no, I'm thinking about my scumbag of a brother. I'm thinking about what he's done to me. I'm thinking about what he deserves and how I'm going to give it to him, Cain said with sadistic satisfaction. That's my point exactly, replied God. You've let your anger get control over you. Every time you even think about Abel, your anger grows and grows. And it can only grow so far before it explodes out of you. Cain, if you wait too long, the way it comes out will be terribly destructive. You have to let the anger go. You have to give up your pain and your sense of loss. You have to give up your hatred and your desire to get even. By the way, there's no such thing as getting even anyway. So Cain, 
Go ahead. Yell about how disappointed and hurt you are. Call me names. Call Abel names. Let it all out. Then let it all go. Stop focusing on your anger before you do something all of us will regret. Let it go. Give it up. Cain was looking at God with an expression of incredulous skepticism. You act like that's supposed to be easy. Simply go about my merry way like nothing happened. Am I supposed to just let him win and keep gloating over me? You can take away my anger and my pain and my hatred just like that. Ha! How do I let it go? How do I just get over it? Go ahead. You tell me. How? God spoke with compassion in his voice. Forgiveness, Cain. Forgiveness. What forgiveness means is that you give up all of this anger you seem to cherish so much so that you can move forward. Right now you're stuck in it and you're not moving forward at all. If you don't give it up, anger will ruin your whole life. Forgive Abel. Forgive him for everything, for the contest, for all the jokes, and all of the gloating. Don't forgive him for his sake. Forgive him for your sake. Your anger isn't even doing him any harm. It's doing you harm. And besides, no matter what he's done, he's still a part of you. And like it or not, you're a part of him. Your brothers, your family. Put that ahead of your pain and anger. When you do, I'll take care of getting rid of all of the negativity that you release. That's how forgiveness works. How do you know it will work? How do you know what I'll feel even if I do forgive him? Asked Cain, still in his skeptical voice. I'm God, remember? I know everything. Well, then you know that you can't make me do anything I don't want to do. That's right, said God, but Cain cut God off and said, If I want to be angry, I'll be angry. If I want to relive what my sleazy scumbag carnivorous brother did to embarrass and hurt me in front of you and everybody else, I'll relive it. And if I want to get so furious that I explode, then I'll do it. You can't tell me what to do. You can't make me forgive. You can't make me love. I'm the one. I'm the only one who is in control of my life. And I, I, I'll do whatever I want. If I want to hate him, I'll hate him. If I want to get even with him, I'll decide what getting even is. God was quiet for a few seconds. Then God said, Cain, have you forgotten that you are loved? Have you forgotten the power and the value of what love can do and be in your life? I love you. Your mother and father and even your brother all love you too. But you love your pain and your anger more than you love anything or anyone else right now. You're cutting yourself off from everything that has any real meaning in your life. Is this silly contest worth all of this? Is your foolish pride and self-image worth losing everything that is good and loving in your life? Stop! Don't let this keep growing until it destroys you and breaks the hearts of everyone who cares about you. 
Oh, I appreciate your concern for my well-being, said Cain coldly. But I can, and I will, handle things in my own way. And Cain did handle things in his own way. He murdered his brother and ended his relationship with everyone who loved him. Cain took control of the universe, and he destroyed creation and returned to nothingness, at least in his own little part of the universe, all because of a petty contest between tofu and barbecue. Perhaps there were a few unintended imperfections in the creative process, after all. So, here is a spiritual insight for this episode. Maybe on a spiritual level, violence is less an instinctual need for bloodlust than it is the ultimate attempt to have things our own way. From the time we are children, it seems that violence generally follows an experience in which we are unable to control our toys, our parents, our brothers or sisters, our food, our lives, or any of the people and things around us. As adults, after a hard and frustrating day, we tend to kick something, yell at the kids or our spouse or partner, and make an obscene gesture or comment to the person who has cut us off in traffic. Our angry responses don't seem to happen so much because what they have done to us is so terrible, but because we can't seem to control the events and dynamics of our lives and make things go in the direction we want them to go. Violence on that level? becomes the ultimate expression of selfishness and rebellion against God, because violence is the complete opposite of loving relationship and the purpose for which we were created. On a spiritual level, violence becomes the definitive desire to destroy relationship with everyone and everything and return to nothingness. So if violence is so bad, then why does it feel so good? Perhaps it's because, for a fleeting moment, Violence gives us the illusion of power and control. During a violent moment, we are convinced that we are powerful. Powerful enough to overcome and destroy the enemy, whoever or whatever we've decided that enemy may be. Violence allows us to take the place of God and dispense justice. We give the enemy what we believe he, she, it, or they deserve. The only problem is that the real enemy we're trying to overcome is our own fear of helplessness. If we can't make God give us life the way we want it, then we will destroy life in some way and show that we have just as much power as God. Life will be our way or no way. And unfortunately, it generally winds up being no way. Isn't there justifiable violence? Well, lucky for us, God doesn't think so. Otherwise, Cain would have wound up extra crispy and all of us would be in a great deal of trouble. According to the Jewish carpenter, violence only breeds more violence. If someone hits you on the right cheek, turn and offer them your left. Whatever you deal out to others will be given back to you. Love conquers all. It doesn't sound nearly as satisfying as an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Which is a call to limit retaliation, not a requirement for violence, by the way. But the truth hardly ever seems as satisfying as our illusions about how powerful 
and in control of life we are or would like to be. So is violence really an unintended imperfection in God's creative process? While I can't say for sure, I just don't think so. For me, it seems more reasonable that violence is a choice, which has nothing creative associated with it at all.